wait for the last time. That's what this podcast is all about. When you hear that, you might think, this lady is crazy. Losing weight is hard and gaining it back is so easy. How is it possible to lose weight for the last time? Well, join me on this podcast and find out. You see, the other weight loss approaches out there are capitalizing and thriving on your fear, your shame, your guilt, your feeling like you are not enough and you have to change. I like to think of that as the 1980s approach. It's old, it's outdated, and it doesn't work. You do not need yet another diet. Rather, I'm going to invite you on this podcast to join me in a totally new paradigm. It's all about context. In what context do you want to improve your health? The old context was about fear and shame, and those are what I call motivation killers. Of course you keep gaining the weight back. You are operating out of the wrong context, and you are trying to solve the wrong problems. Extra body fat is not the problem. It's a symptom. So we have to get to the root of the problem. And we do that through love. The new context is about love. I'm hoping this podcast will be a source of comfort, solace, and food for thought for you. You don't have to do our weight loss programs, although you can. And you don't have to do our free love challenge, although you can. But for now, what I'm going to invite you to do is just listen Just give yourself the gift of taking some time to listen. Enter a new paradigm based in love, compassion, forgiveness, curiosity, pleasure, and lasting success. Lose weight for the last time. Hello, Betsy. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having yeah. me. So mm-hmm. I just want to start off by asking you if you would like to share something, a lesson that you've learned that's been meaningful for you, for your health. The biggest lesson, I think, is to work on my inside issues helps the most with dealing with my physical health, physical and mental health, really. So counseling and inner work has been more important in the journey than any weight loss or health system I've tried, if that makes sense, you know, so. Absolutely. And so have you tried different things that didn't address the internal thoughts and emotions? Yes. And I grew up in an environment where the internal was not only like denied in terms of its effect on you, but also discouraged. So my growing up, what I always heard was, oh, if you lose weight, you will feel so much better about yourself. But that's never how it ever felt. (laughs) And when I started into counseling and starting to deal with issues I needed to deal with in terms of psychological and and physical and mind-body connection and all that, I lost like 30 pounds without doing anything, you know, consciously, you know, not going on a plan or anything. And, and my sister and my mom were at my house and my husband said, oh, that's how she lost 30 pounds or something like that. She mentioned the weight loss and they're like, oh, how did you do it? And I was like, by dealing with the issues I needed to deal with. 
And they were just very confused by that. They didn't understand. They, they wanted me to say Weight Watchers or, or Diatrim or whatever we had tried, you know, previously. It was very much, you avoided the internal work at all costs. Mm. And so when I got to a point where I realized I needed inner work, which is unusual for like a 12-year-old to tell, you know, my mom saw me having issues, having trouble in school and whatnot. And she said, do you want to talk to somebody? I said, yes, please. Mm. Now, mm. now, please. You know, <laughs> So it was very well. I knew that she couldn't help. And so I needed somebody to help. That worked well. She tried that with my middle sister and it didn't go so well. She thought, oh, it went so well with Betsy. I'll, I'll suggest it to my sister. And um, she exploded. You think I'm crazy? You know, and ran, you know, they got into a big yelling fight and she ran off and took the car and drove away for a while. So it was very different. You know, I, I was the anomaly, you know, yeah. <laughs> I was kind of, sad. I felt like Marilyn Munster. I don't know if you ever watched that show, The Munsters, you know, oh. Marilyn was the cut. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was normal, you know, and, and everybody else is, oh, she's so ugly. She's so this, you know, just like she was the one that was like always felt out of place, even though she was a normal one, you know. So <laughs> I love that. That is so funny, Betsy. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, but then so I was going to the counselor for a while until. The counselor suggested that we have a family session with my mom and my sister. And I just realized recently that that was the last time I went to that counselor mm -hmm. because my mom refused to look inside, mm. you know, and, and that was part of, I don't blame her for that or anything. I'm not saying that. It was just, it was too hard for her to dig into that. So once the counselor suggested, like, you need to do this as a, a group, a family and she couldn't do that, then that was the last session I had with that counselor. Wow. Um, because then I couldn't go back, you know, so, and I was able to get my own as I grew older, mm -hmm. you know, but it, it's interesting to grow up in a situation where I am very analytical, just in personality. And I was always the kid in like Sunday school who asked the questions that nobody had the answers to. <laughs> they were all like, you know, and like, here, color this picture of Jesus and just close your mouth. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> You're like, but. So but. Like, I know. I'm like, uh. And I, and I had that in weight loss programs, too. I tried, you know, there's a whole other piece of body dysmorphia that comes into play. I grew up in the 70s. Yeah. And I had two older sisters, you know, 12 and nine years older than me, who were always worried about weight loss. And my mom was very concerned about it to the point of, to the point of eating disorder, I believe, um, but not as severe as some I've met, but still. And so when I was eight, my mom would take me to Weight Watcher meetings with oh her. Oh my gosh. I, I wasn't supposed to like join with her, but I was there to learn. And, you know, back then people didn't realize that when you're eight years old, that's when your body starts to plump out right. to get ready for pre-puberty. Yes. <laughs> but they didn't know that. They just saw me getting fat and that's their terms. You know, I, so when I was eight, I started to record my weight 
Mm. Like I weigh this much. You know, I haven't actually, I have a note from when I was eight years old with the date and my weight and then the weight change. And um, unbeknownst to me, I found out when I was around 18 years old, my sisters thought it was funny to go and change the zeroing on the scale. Oh, wow. Every day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I would, they thought that was really funny. So I would go in and weigh myself and I would be 10 pounds up or five pounds. I mean, it was like drastic mm-hmm. too. It wasn't just like, and the, I didn't know I was eight years old. I didn't know that this, the scale had a zeroing function, you know? So hence the body, I was supposed to be worried about what my body looked like and weighed and everything, but I had no concept or no real good perception of how to judge that, mm-hmm. you know? But it was based on exter- external factors, not internally how you feel. Exactly. exactly. Like even just strength or energy, you know, like <laughs> the basic indicators of health. Yeah. <laughs> right. And even just like trusting your body to know what it needs at, at a given time, even just like with, like I would say, oh, I'm, I'm tired. I'm going to go take a nap. You're not tired. You're just bored. Go do something, mm. you know, you know, so even that was question. So then I never gained a good sense of what my body wanted in terms of what I actually needed yeah. and what I thought was right to do. Mm-hmm. 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 So in that sense, that micromanaging kind of helped me, whatever, developed in me a sense of like secret eating. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I, I just, there was, you know, certain moments stick with you more than others and. One time I was getting some grapes out of the refrigerator and my mom came by and said, you know how those have 12 calories a piece? Oh my gosh. And I'm like, but they're grapes. Like I'm not eating a candy bar. You know, I was trying to make a, a good choice yeah. and even that was suspect. So, gosh. So there's a lot that goes, <laughs> that was what you said, 15 minutes. I'm like, I'm not sure. I can do this <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. We have, we can talk as long as we want. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. You know, and it's as you're talking, I'm thinking because I was born in 1970. So, you know, I grew up during that time. My mom turned into a little bit of a health nut when I was about five years old. Not a health nut, but she Mm -hmm. started to really pay attention to food and nutrition and stuff. And that was actually very unusual during that time. But my upbringing was more around like, oh, you know, meat is bad and dairy right. is bad and and you should eat whole wheat and make carrot juice and stuff. So I'm very appreciative that it was very, very health oriented. There was, I never, I had no consciousness of my physical body being in any way bad or good until, good. you know, much later in later. life. But from speaking to so many people, I've learned that really the 70s and the and I think even more so the 80s was like, just a disaster zone with all of this stuff. And I guess, you know, like your mom was not trying to hurt you. She, she really had the intention of wanting for you to be happy. And that's what she equated with happiness. And like you said, the the medical information, the the biological information is (laughs) so much better now. So we can, we can look back and say, well, what was wrong with those people? But that's was what it was like at that time. And that's what it was. Yeah, there's no sense in trying to, yeah, trying to blame or, yeah. or anything like that, because that's just, and, and and to my mom's credit, she had decided very early on that she was going to be a better mother than her mother was, mm-hmm. you know, 
So she did really well at that. I mean, she was a very different mother than her. Actually, her mother just didn't mother her at all. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, you know, like in in response, so you can't work on everything in a lifetime. I mean, there's just some things that are going to fall through the pieces, but she had four younger brothers. My mother did and basically had to take care of them from the time she was eight Mm -hmm. because my, my grandmother was either working. She was a nurse as a profession. She, she was an interesting woman. She's a nurse. She also did, she was a private detective for a little bit. She would chaperone water ski shows in Chicago. They lived in Michigan, (laughs) but she would go away for the whole summer chaperoning these water ski shows. You know, that was really popular back then in the sixties, you know, those, the pyramids and everything. And the whole summer she would leave. Wow. And leave my mom with these three boys then. And the youngest one came along a little later. And my mom would say, Mom, why can't you stay? Like, why why can't you stay with us? You know, and, and my, my grandmother's response was, always, well, you turned out OK. Mm. You know, I mean, that was, you know, so it was. And again, that was a very different time yeah. as well. So uh, I don't blame my mother I did go through a, a portion of time where I had to hate her. Yeah, I know that sounds awful, but I really had to let that hate in so I could let it go. Yeah, and I tell my kids that all the time when they were growing up, they would say, "I hate you." I'm like, "Good, you're supposed to." <laughs> <laughs> I would be worried if you didn't hate me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, they would get so mad because it wouldn't react like, you know, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're supposed to hate me sometimes. It's okay. (laughs) Now, so I want to just bring up this uh, touch upon what you're talking about, about, you know, hating your mother. I've found that, you know, I explore a lot about emotional exploration, (laughs) to use the word explore twice. (laughs) So what I've come to realize for myself and also working with clients is that we, we are taught to suppress our emotions. So we know that hating our mother, even your children know somewhere when they say it, they feel bad. We know that we're not supposed to hate our mothers or be angry about it. But I have found in that's been very helpful for me and also just with working with clients to say, get angry, like allow yourself to be pissed off about these situations, these things that have occurred to you because just being like, oh, well, my, you know, my mom, she didn't know better and I That's forgive her. You're kind of yeah, yeah. missing a, a big chunk of a step there, which is to feel those yeah. feelings. Have you, have right. you, I don't know if this is too deep, but, you know, have you employed that in other areas, like in your journey with your health? Yes, very much so. It was actually just recently I had a kind of epiphany about my body image. And because when I picture myself in my head, it's kind of like blurry. I don't have a clear picture of what I look like. And so then when I see a picture of myself or I look at pictures from the past, I see myself, but I don't, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I started kickboxing recently in February and it's been really fun. Yeah. I said I wanted a little less namaste and a little more make my day. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You're so funny. I need to make a (laughs) t-shirt. And so sometimes in the studio, they take pictures of people as we work out, you know, just to post on Facebook, you know, and 
and they took a picture of me and it was so horrible the first time I saw it. I was like, oh my God, I look so bad, you know, like, and I, I sent it to my kids and my husband and said, oh, look how fierce I am. But inside I was, I kept saying to myself, God, you look horrible. How? Mm. It's like the um, the movie Spaceballs when the guy transports to another room and his, his head is on the wrong side. Uh-huh. And so he's backwards and he looks down. And he's like, why didn't anybody tell me my butt was so big? It's kind of like, I'm like, oh, my God. I didn't. But then I was like, OK, I need to reframe that, you know, that that initial just rush of all that old programming came in. And then finally I was like, well, hold on, you know, you need to look at this a different way in terms of the people that I admire most are the people that I don't know. And actually it's getting better because they have commercials now. Like I think it's a Gatorade commercial where there's a woman, a large woman doing yoga. Mm -hmm. She's very large. And you wouldn't think that she could do those things with her body. And, and then like people like Lizzo mm-hmm. who can move and just, just are so comfortable in their skin, you know, and I just admire those women so yeah. much. And I'm thinking, why don't I say instead of, oh, how horrible you look, look at your large women doing kickboxing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you can move your bodies in a way, in a body in a way that, you know, not everybody can do, you yes. know, that's 325 pounds you're throwing around. You know, give yourself some credit. Yeah. But it, it was difficult to to turn that script. I don't think I had ever done that before. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Before it was just like, oh, my God, you know, because I have relatives, you know, cousins. Don't take my picture. Don't take my, like, they don't ever want to see who they mm-hmm. are. You know, they don't ever want to. And, and and that was really shook me up a great yeah. deal. Well, I just have watched, Lizzo actually has a show a TV show, a reality show where she is, oh, okay. I forget its name, like Lizzo's Big Girls or something or Power Girls or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And I actually watched multiple episodes of it. So she's recruiting backup dancers for her tours. And these women mm-hmm. are, they're all bigger, you know, I mean, they're varying sizes, but they're all bigger women. And that was, that's a requirement, right? <laughs> and also right. being, you know, athletic being a really good dancer and being unique and creative and all of that stuff and the personality and the toughness and all of that stuff. And I watched that show and I said, my gosh, you know, like our country, our society is so, if I can curse here, fucked up with the way, <laughs> the way that we view, we equate being overweight with being unhealthy. And that's actually yeah. wrong. What we need to be focusing on is how active are you? And these women are right. highly athletic, and I they can I can guarantee you they can run circles around me. I'm and I'm pretty right. athletic, but they're professional right. dancers, yeah. you know. So I loved and appreciated that show. Like the message that she was sending was, you know, just because you're overweight or you have obesity doesn't mean that you can't move, that you can't be healthy and strong and powerful. Right. And I. I love that. So thank you for bringing that up. This goes into like a whole deeper thing, but the way that we've been approaching obesity and overweight from a medical and health perspective in this country has been wrong and it continues to be wrong. It's very judgmental. It's like a personality flaw, which it's not obviously. So we need to change that conversation and I, I get riled up about this. 
I do too, because, you know, I did join a weight loss program. It was um, medical weight loss. Mm -hmm. Because my primary care doctor even was like, you need to get bariatric surgery. And I'm like, really? Mm -hmm. That's your solution? But I did join, it was like the diet program where they had the prepared meals and stuff. Mm -hmm. It was HMR was the name then. But anyway, I lost a hundred pounds within a year. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it was because I knew that program wasn't the best program to be on. And I knew, like I asked them from the day one, I said, is there soy in this product? Mm -hmm. Because I'm sensitive to soy products, you know? They make me sad. <laughs> I've proved that over and over mm -hmm. again. And I have estrogen dominance and all kinds of other issues with that. So I want to avoid soy. And oh, no, 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 no. There's not that much soy in this. Every single product, that was the first ingredient. Oh, gosh. Oh. And if it wasn't the first ingredient, it was the first ingredient in the supplement that came right. with the meal. Right. So, so I knew going in that it wasn't the right way. But I needed to do mm -hmm. it if only to, to tell myself, to, to negate the, the script that I'd heard my whole life of, if you lose the weight, you'll feel so much better. Mm. Because when I lost 100 pounds, I felt the same as I had. Yeah, I was going to the meetings. Yeah, we were, oh, yeah, 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 you know. But I didn't feel it like I was a different person. I didn't feel any better about myself. I still didn't look at the mirror and say, oh, look at how beautiful you are. So it was kind of like uh, trying to prove that theory, saying, look, I can lose this weight, but that's not going to change fundamentally who I am, you know, yeah. or the issues that I have to deal with. Yeah. Plus, I didn't realize then that they were very adamant in saying that losing weight that fast isn't going to cause any health problems. Well, it screwed up my gallbladder. And for two years, I didn't know what was happening because I didn't have gallstones I had like a sandy sludge in there mm -hmm. and it didn't show up on scans. So they didn't know what was wrong with me for two and a half years. Here was my gallbladder that had been, you know, so like I used myself as a science experiment almost, you know, which is not probably the best thing to do. But at least and I knew that that script was false, yeah. that that script that I told her my entire life was a false narrative. Wow. But, the, you know, the people's reactions were really interesting when I lost that weight. People would say, oh, thank goodness. I'm so proud of you. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why are you proud? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I understand why you're saying that, but it was just, it just hit me different. Yeah. It was like, you're proud because I, on the surface, look different. Yeah. Again, equating appearance with who you are. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, after I did, you know, gain weight. After that, of course, because that's what happens when you go on a program that you're not dealing with the issues you need to deal with, you're going to gain the weight back because you're not doing it in a way that's what you really need internally. Mm -hmm. And then so people then would say, oh, what a shame. Oh, it's such a shame. You know, all that work wasted. You know, <laughs> this is like, no. But people, like you said, in this country especially, are so focused on appearances yeah. and what's they're externally. Yeah. You know, I probably dig deeper into it than a lot of people want to, mm -hmm. you know, especially my family. But yeah, and I know I tried really, really hard because I think part of being a parent, I have two girls, they're 23 and 25. Mm. And I think part of being a parent is not passing on those scripts to your children. And so I tried really hard, even though I was overweight, morbidly obese, 
according to all my doctors and all the charts, mm-hmm. which I just hate that term. I, know. <laughs> I never, ever force them to eat any way. You don't have to finish your plate. If you don't like it, you don't have to eat it, but you have to try it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, trying to do, trying to change the script. Yeah. And just loving their bodies for who that, you know, what they are and who they are. And yeah. my, <laughs> this sounds so funny, but like my proudest moment, about my kids, I'm proud of my kids for a lot of reasons. Like they both went to college, they both graduated, they're both doing great. That's great, like, you know, but that's what you're supposed to do in mm-hmm. life. Like that's, that's, that's the scripts that, you know, like, oh, boom, 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 mm-hmm. you know. But that didn't change anything about how, I, from what I was raised with mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my proudest moment was when my younger daughter said, she moved into a new apartment and she couldn't find her shower curtain. And she said, so I'm just not showering with, uh, or so I'm sh- showering, but not without the curtain. She said, but it's okay. Cause I can see myself in the mirror when I shower and admire my body. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pass it on. You know? <laughs> that was when I knew I was, you know, I had done an okay. I'm, I'm sure I passed on other things that, you know, whatever, I'm, but at least that part, my younger one's much more athletic and much more the, the popular way to look. She's very athletic and lean. And my other daughter's uh, more tends to be more like me, but even her, she has no body image issues. She's never had issues with getting relationships mm-hmm. or, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, just, very different yeah. than how I was raised. So I was very proud It's of so, her. it's like so important because it's such a big thing for you in your life, right? And and to be able to say that, you know, you did the best you could and you set them up for, I mean, the, the world is all around us, right? They have Instagram, they have TikTok, they're, <laughs> they're influenced by those things too, but you did what you, you know, what you could to set them up to, right. to have a healthy body, you know, relationship with their bodies. And yeah, I tell you what, my, my family was angry about it too. They wanted me to push them off their pedestals so often. Oh, no. and, and it made me so angry. So my daughter, my youngest daughter lives in Denver and she went to Denver Fashion Week. And, you know, on TikTok and everything now they have those like, it's like the dance contest, mm-hmm. not a contest, but like you imitate the dances, yes, you yeah. know, and, and put, do a video. Well, they're all like very sexual yes. and very, you know, I know part of my, I've had discussions with my daughters about this, but I never shame them for that because I am so proud that they are loving their body. Plus people are afraid for their safety. I'm like, no, you know what? You're just as likely to get raped when you have sweatpants and a t-shirt on. Right. As you are if you have a short skirt on. They're just going to use that mm-hmm. as an excuse not to to say it's your fault. Yeah, they need to put the responsibility off of the women and, and onto the perpetrators. Mm-hmm. But And I, and I knew that I, I was listening to a story on NPR a long time ago, and they were talking to two men in the Middle East about women. I forget what country it was, but... The first man they talked to was a cab driver. And he's like, I don't understand what the big deal is. Why shouldn't they wear what they want to wear? I don't think it's a man's problem. You know, like the, he was very cool about it. And then the next guy they talked to was saying, it's just morally wrong to wear anything that. And, and then he he started like, it was on the radio. So you didn't see any of this, but he's like, just, oh, oh, look at that. 
And the guy was like, what are you talking about? He's like, see that woman? Her burqa, the wind moved the burqa up against her leg and you could see the curve of her calf, through, you know, even though it was still covered with fabric, you could see the curve of her leg. That is shameful. That is disgraceful. So she was wearing a burqa mm. and he thought that. Yeah. It was the best example of the fact that that argument is completely false. Right. The argument that it was what you wore or how you acted, you know. Yeah. Technically, we should be able to walk down the street naked and not be assaulted. Right. 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 (laughs) Well, we know that sexual assault is an act of violence and hatred. It's not a sexual act per se. It it manifests that way. So, wow. Yeah. So anyway, so it's it's just interesting that people. But my what I was going to say was my daughter posted pictures on Instagram of her at Fashion Week. Oh my God, they were gorgeous. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not to brag, but her and her friends were just amazingly beautiful. And my sister called me and said, "Did you see those pictures?" Renee posted on Instagram of Denver Fashion Week. I'm like, yeah, wasn't she beautiful? And it just shut my sister down mm. completely. Mm. It's like, I'm not going to shame her for for being beautiful. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, it's two sides of the same coin. We shame, you know, exactly. criticizing Lizzo for feeling confident and beautiful and criticizing thin, you know, other women who, you know, who just want to do whatever they're doing. And my, my daughters are the same way. And also there's a whole thing about, gaining weight and losing weight, right? If you're if you're in the media and you lose weight, like Adele got all this flack because she lost weight. People they yeah. were like people who were angry at Adele because she lost weight, because she was somehow this, you know, inspiration for people, which is wonderful. But you can do whatever you want with your body. Right. You know, as long as right. you're not hurting I mean, someone else, right. there's no law exactly. against gaining, losing. You are still you. It doesn't matter. That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. It frustrates me, but I think it's just this collection of things that's going on, right? Like misogyny, um, yes. <laughs> insecurities, and ultimately, you know, we all desire to be loved and included in in the yes. group, right? We don't want to be um, shunned from the tribe. <laughs> That's like a very, yes. you know, deep biological urge that we have. And interestingly, that's an anthropological origin is that as human beings, what, when we started to, what really dif- began to differentiate us was that we learned how to share. Ah, yeah. Yes. So, share yeah. So we yeah. would go, you know, a bunch of men would go out and catch a big, now you could catch a big animal And, you know, feed a bunch of other people. And while you're out hunting, you know, pretty much like the women were doing the gathering and getting the honey and the the tubers and everything. And then you came together and somebody's tending to the fire. So we have this um, this sharing thing, which was absolutely necessary for our survival. Without it, you died. Right. So therefore, it's kind of, it's, you know, this is hundreds of thousands of years ago that this started. So it's really part of who we are. It's part of our biology, our Mm -hmm. our biological drive. And therefore, we want to be accepted. We want to be loved. Doesn't matter what you weigh, how tall you are, how short you are, what country you live in. I've realize that from doing a lot of group calls with clients that those deep, you know, issues that we might have with whatever around eating tend to be related back to, I just want to be loved. (laughs) I just want to be included. It's true. It's true. And I think that a lot of the increase in violence in terms of like, especially men being very angry and mad about things changing Mm -hmm. 
usually mostly white men, <laughs> but I mean, not to get race into it, but I think that that's actually not a, not a horrible sign. I said, because that means that the old is dying mm-hmm. out, you know, and, and it's kind of like the, the <laughs> sounds really weird, but the last like death rattle <laughs> of that old way, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, like, <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. So, if I, you know, when I look at it that way, then I can look at those people with compassion and saying, of course they're scared. Of course they're angry. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what happens when the way you think is the right way dies, yeah. you know, so. Um, and it threatens, it feels um, like a threat to your survival, essentially. Exactly. Exactly. So, but also, you know, I want to nurture that, uh, the new, you know, and, and nourish what is coming too. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to just maybe start to wrap it up. And I'd love to ask yeah. you, you started off this conversation talking about how a big thing that you've learned is that you felt that you had to work on the inner stuff that was going on first, or that was really where the most benefit and good results are coming from that inner work first. Was there something about that that you wanted to share, like a lesson that you learned around that? Very much. So I had a great aunt, Ellen, and she was she was large like me. She had a big abdomen, you know. Uh, she was a really cool person, but she, she had a lot of issues. She's a catatonic schizophrenic. So if she didn't have the right medications, she just went vegetative, like, you know, basically a coma mm-hmm. state. And she got treated for that. And she worked at a factory for 43 years. And she learned all the, the, the gross and dirty jokes, you know, at the factory and would call us every week with the new one, you know. <laughs> so, but anyway, we were always, I especially, I felt like I was above her. Like she was the cautionary tale mm. in our family. Oh, you don't want to end up like Ann Ellen, poor Ann Ellen, poor Ann Ellen. Mm-hmm. And then it was recently I, I was like kind of went through that process of internal struggle and looking at her and going, you know what? I am like Ann Ellen in a lot of ways. You know, sometimes I like the rude jokes and I have a big abdomen and I comedy is my drug of choice, basically, you know, and, and that's another thing we never did in our family. Like you never looked at the things that were similar about people you didn't like mm-hmm. or stuff that you didn't like a bit about people. And that's one of those factors in my family that's, that's still an issue in terms of saying, hey, you know what? Don't throw stones if you live in a glass house mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. thing. So when I connected back with my Aunt Ellen. And I mean, the other factor was that she picked me out for some reason when I was born. I don't know if she was just in a good headspace then or she didn't have any children, but something drew her to me and she connected to me. And I'll tell you what, it wasn't always great to have be the favorite of Aunt Ellen, you know, but, but that's what she did. And I never quite understood it until recently when I had to dove into that internal stuff to say, maybe she recognized the similarity we had, even as an infant, you know, you get a feeling about something and said, I need to help her have a better life than I had. You know, even though I know I can't have these things, maybe she can. So all the things she wanted, she wanted a good marriage and children and, you know, I have that. And I have a lot of the things I'm very similar to her, 
in a lot of ways. And in fact, my husband was like, you know what? He never got to meet her. She died like right as we met in college. And um, he said, I'd much rather be, she said, from the stories you've told me, I'd much rather be married to your Aunt Ellen than your mother. <laughs> wow. So I know, I know. I'm like, oh my goodness, because we have pictures of her and stuff. So he knows what she looks like. You know, it was just a really, it really said a lot about him too, in terms of, you know, but but that acceptance of my similarities to her was a huge thing, huge thing. Mm, yeah. I don't know. Does that answer the question? Yeah. I, I guess if I can, what I'm hearing, and I don't know if this is right, is the acceptance of, of who you are, of being, you know, you are who you are, your aunt with all of her flaws, her beautiful flaws, is who she is. Mm -hmm. And it sounds to me like that was kind of what you were saying here. Yeah. The accepting yourself. One more step into the acceptance of myself and truly looking at myself and who I am instead of just having this blurry kind of semi-image in my brain. So it's like, no, those are specific things. You know, all the stuff that my family picked out as flaws in Anne Ellen I do those as well, at least to to an extent, and I'm okay with that now. Whereas before, it was looked at as a weakness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I love that. Thank you for sharing that because I think we all have. I look at pictures of myself, and I have the same thoughts that you had when you saw yourself in the kickboxing. Like I think, unfortunately, mm -hmm. I think we all have that tendency. Maybe human nature, but it's yeah. the it's what you do after. Right. Like those thoughts are always yeah. going to come, but the acceptance and the really like acceptance is, is a huge big step, right? Awareness and then acceptance. And if you can do those two things, you are making way, way more progress than anybody like your mom who just sort of refused to, to look in, you know, people who, who yeah. it's just too painful. So even mm -hmm. that is amazing. But then if you can even take it that next step and say, wow, I, I love myself <laughs> for yeah. these things, you yeah. know, like, like even just right. loving those, those flaws. And I, I think for me, a lot of times when I think about my flaws or issues or whatever it is, I, I always try to find what, well, what's that lesson for me in there? What can I right. learn about myself right. or life or my, my journey? So, mm -hmm. you know, that's like, you're like at, in the advanced work, right? Where you're like, I'm, <laughs> I can accept and love myself for who I am. That's pretty, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, I'm that big woman that's throwing my weight around, like, you know, and, and I was really proud when um, I was, you know, you, when you do, I have the boxing gloves, you know, and, and um, we were um, partnering with other people and hitting each other's gloves, right? Uh, taking turns every person I partnered with is like, you're really strong. <laughs> like, well, that's good because I was wondering, I've never been in a physical fight before. And I always wondered if I could actually punch somebody. <laughs> they are like, you definitely can. Hey, everyone, don't get in a fight with Betsy. She's strong. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. You know, the other day I was driving and I saw these two little girls randomly. It was early in the morning and they were walking down the street in princess outfits. They were like seven <laughs> or eight years old. And I pulled over. They probably thought I was crazy. And I looked over them and I said, wow, what strong princesses you are, you know, because I had, I had, yeah. my first thought was what beautiful, which is what we always tell mm -hmm. little girls, right? Yeah. You're so beautiful. So um, yeah. I love that, the, you know, 
It's a wonderful yeah. thing to to appreciate it your is. whole it's self. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. this is great. Do you have any final thoughts? Anything that if someone's listening that you know um, you would want to share? If not, that's okay. What did I? I said something recently about if I could go back and tell myself something when I was younger, it would be something like you are perfect the way you are and actually really feel it because I think we say a lot of that in our lives and don't hear it. We, we hear it intellectually, but we can't process it emotionally and to have someone, uh, that's why, again, I was looking at my daughter saying, Oh, thank God I didn't pass that on to them. That idea that you can look at yourself in the mirror and and love what you see. That was another thing that got me in trouble at Weight Watchers, the same as Sunday school, because I'd say, how do you feel good about yourself and still want to lose weight? Like, I, I couldn't get that idea figured out in my head. And they were like, um, we don't know, but here's a recipe for baked chicken, you know? <laughs> <laughs> or like change the subject, you know. You color this picture, picture in an apple, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. So anyway, I guess you know, just just uh, take as many small steps as possible to get to to that, and that it's okay to deep dive deep. It's scary and it's hard, and but sometimes the healing is is more difficult. I was I was burned in a fire as a teenager, and I always thought it was the fire that was the trauma. But the fire was very brief and the trauma was the month after in the hospital. Um, the treatments for that are very painful and very traumatic. And I never got to acknowledge how painful that is, mm-hmm. you know, so maybe that's why I'm more willing to dive deep because I know even though it's painful, it's, it's, it's important work to do because otherwise you're carrying around huge scars and, you know, other than that, you know what I mean? So, so it was a powerful lesson, but you know, my mom was always like, whenever I'd say it was really painful, that treatment is just, uh, you know, sometimes I don't like the nurses and she's like, don't say that. They were angels. They saved your life. And I'm like, yeah, I know mom, but you know, I mean, it doesn't negate the fact that I was only allowed to process the trauma of the actual fire instead of the trauma of the healing. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's wonderful, Betsy. Thank you for saying that. And I think that's um, what you were saying just a moment ago about thinking, oh, I'm, I'm fierce. I'm badass. I love myself. It's difficult to evoke those feelings. And then I think we bring in another drop of judgment. It's like, well, why can't I love myself? What's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> it's like judgment down. upon judgment <laughs> upon judgment and and then so I'm a big fan What's of <laughs> I always I and I use this on myself all the time because I'm just this is we're all susceptible to it of radical acceptance like it's okay that mm-hmm. I can't love myself right now it's okay yeah. that I don't want to accept these things I don't feel like it, you know, mm-hmm. like really bringing in that level of of acceptance, because what I found and maybe you've experienced this, too, is that once you you allow it to be and you accept it and just say, it's OK right now, I'm tired, mm-hmm. mom. Can I take a nap? You know, <laughs> like once you start doing that, that's what opens up the space. That is where the healing yeah. is. 
It's not in yes. trying to force yourself to be a good girl and, and get it figured out and right away and, you know, all of that stuff. Get a schedule, get a, get a Franklin planner. And- right. <laughs> By December, I will be loving myself fully. Right. <laughs> that was never really worked for me because it was like I would spend all my time doing the Franklin planner and never doing anything else. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, or whatever kind. Yeah, there's a ton of them out there. Oh, well, this this has been brilliant. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing. And uh, I think uh, it's it's very inspirational for me. And I I think people listening will feel the same way. I've I've been loved talking to you, too. It's really cool. It's like cool to talk to people who understand, you know, and we're in different spaces. But but we both understand the the struggle. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to the Lose Weight for the Last Time podcast. My wish, my deepest wish is that this podcast, it inspires you, it empowers you, and it helps you to begin to operate more and more from the context of love and curiosity and compassion to yourself and forgiveness so that you can make forward progress in your weight loss journey in a healthy, sustainable way. We are all about approaching this from a wonderful mindset based in love. And we also are very, very keen on sticking to the science. So those two things we bring together in our approach, which is love and science combined to help you lose weight in a way that's truly lasting because it's pleasurable it's sustainable, it's a way of living for you, it's something that you don't don't mind doing for the rest of your life, and it's something that you enjoy and is a source of personal growth for you. So that's what we're about. If you would like more support, then I recommend you get on a call with me and we can see if our program is right for you. We have a very high-touch, supportive, science-backed program. It's six months long and it's a commitment and we are going to invite you if you really want to move more and more into this love context. This would be a wonderful tool for you in your weight loss journey. So get on a call with me to learn more about that and also for me to learn more about you and see if if it would be a right fit. And if you feel like "Mm, I more just kind of want to dip my toe in the waters, I invite you to get on a consultation with one of our wonderful, amazing, smart, and compassionate nutritionists. And you can just get some good advice to move the dial for you a little bit. That's just a one-time visit. And you can learn more about us that way. And uh, maybe that's enough. Maybe you you move on your way. Uh, just listen to the podcast and get some good feedback. Either way, We are here to support you. We are here to change the world in which the typical weight loss is grounded. We want to change all of that to a new context of love and curiosity and therefore sustainability and therefore losing weight for the last time. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.